0: This is the Astro League Fantasy Football Podcast. League specific news, information, and stats with your obnoxious commissioner, Maddie C. Well, g'day, g'day, and welcome, welcome to the Astro League Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Maddie C, and it's great to have you back for this, the third episode of the Fantasy Football for Beginner series. For those of you who've been around for it all, you'll know this, but episode one was a lot about joining a league understanding the positions and how they score, and what you're going to need to find out if you want to help fill up that roster. Episode 2 is a lot more about preparing to embark on that roster-filling journey with some exploration about how each position is valued and even then how to discover resources to help you with that, but also about understanding the mechanics of the draft and concepts like cost and ADP, that's average draft position, and other things like ranking and preparing your own. We talked a bit about different kinds of mock drafts too, and we ended with some homework. (laughs) Now, I also did an episode 2.5, which helped with that homework. So, hopefully, you've caught that. And if you haven't, all of those episodes are available right now, everywhere you get podcasts, including wherever you found this one. Today begins with a reflection on the homework. So, take deep breaths, get into your nice, quiet, reflective spot. Because what we're looking to do is build confidence on it as your starting point, knowing that you'll do the same kind of process to fuel your team on draft day. And we'll cover some more depth on players today too. We're going to leave today feeling ready to do more mock drafts. We're going to leave today with a readiness to draft reels before episode four approaches. And that's going to be much more about the rigors of your first fantasy campaign and jumping through all those hoops to negotiate players having things like Bi weeks or the scourge of the fantasy football injury gods and you know other parts of fantasy life like dropping players, adding players, trading, all those season evolutionary things. But let's begin at the beginning. Everything we cover here is gonna be with reference to us being in a ten team league. Our league is gonna have nine starters, five on the bench, and PPR scoring. So, if this series is helping at all, hopefully that made sense. And if it is a little foggy still, which is fair enough, let's face it, this is a bit like learning a new language. Your nine starters are going to be the parts of your roster that will add to your score in any week. And they're a quarterback, a running back, another running back, a wide receiver, another wide receiver, a tight end, a flexible starter, a kicker, and a defense. That's nine. You'll also get five bench, right? So, that's players who you own but they're not occupying one of those starting spots and they don't contribute to your score each week. But they're players that you can swap in and out of your starting lineup between weeks. And PPR means that any player who catches a pass scores a point for that. It's called point per reception. Now, how'd the homework go? We're preparing to try a mock draft with those settings. So, find in our show notes, there is a website called Draft Wizard Fantasy Pros You can click on that and you can start a draft right now and you can add those settings in. So, let's get reflective. What I saw in the draft that I did was fairly common. That entire first round was seven running backs and three wide receivers and the second round was another five running backs, four wide receivers and the first tight end. So, some questions, right? Why is there 12 running backs in the first 20 picks? And if quarterbacks are so important in the NFL... Why didn't any go in these first two rounds? It took three rounds before someone took one. All right, let's answer the first one. There's two things to consider with a running back position on draft day. The first, and this is going to sound dumb, is positional scarcity. Unlike quarterback, there is like more than 20 of those guys who are kind of useful, but you're only starting 10 in the league every week. At RB, at running back, there has to be at least one in both spots of your starting lineup, and that's across every team. So, that's 20 men every week. But running back's also a position that receives the most contact of all your starting roles on the football field. So, it's a higher risk for an injury, and that makes your player potentially do things like have to leave the game periodically, maybe have to leave the game and not come back to the game. Maybe they don't come back for multiple weeks, or maybe worse, they suffer that horrible thing called a season-ending injury. Of teams in the NFL though, only around half will use one running back chiefly to complete even around 70% of the plays in a game when they're fully healthy. Now, how you measure that is something called snap counts. It's a percentage of plays that a player is on the field for. So, many teams use this other thing where they get an assortment of guys to do all that work instead of just sort of one or two. They might have as many as four. And then they get called things like, running back by committee or a three-headed monster or a backfield timeshare or just it's called splitting carries sometimes but i think my favorite is the fantasy quagmire you know it's where points go to die plus this is a position that is eligible to start in your flexible starter so truly you're going to want to have three or more of the top 25 guys to be just a little bit above average so yeah running backs all of a sudden get scarce Secondly, the teams who do use one back to do that, like 60 or 70% of the work, are offering you up guaranteed opportunity. That guy's touching the ball a lot. He's on the field a lot. He's exposed to opportunities for good things to happen. You'll hear people in fantasy debate if this guy or that guy is more talented. And that's a subjective conversation. It's harder to argue with volume of opportunity because. Plenty of less talented guys who got big opportunities and won people their fantasy leagues. So, you see running backs like McCaffrey and Kamara, Barkley and Cook, Henry and Elliott and Chubb, all go pretty quickly because that's why they're proven to get that opportunity. Okay, but what if your turn to pick arrives? And either none of those guys are left or maybe there's one or two, but they're the ones you don't know as much about and you just don't trust them? Well, great question because... You can pick none of them and that's 100% fine. It means some other things must be true, like that either there's, you know, another running back you like more who hasn't been picked and you can just go get them right now. You wouldn't get any argument from me either. You know, one team is going to be the champion and nine won't be and it's just so much easier to stomach being part of that motley crew of nine. If you are, you know, losing the players you like, then losing with a team full of, Plans that some knob fantasy analyst algorithm has shoved in front of you. It also might mean, too, that there's actually some super high-quality wide receivers just sitting there, ripe for the picking. And, I mean, we're not talking good wide receivers. We're talking great. The Devante Adamses, the Tyreek Hills, the DeAndre Hopkinses, the Michael Thomases, all these guys' names end in S, the Stefan Diggses, the DK Metcalfs. Ooh, Metcalfs, that's fun. The Amari Cooperses. There's a whole ute load of fair dinkum great wide receivers and it's definitely not a bad strategy to scoop up one of them and then come back in the next round with fresh eyes for running back if you don't trust the guys who are there when you come up. But top running backs touch the ball less often than quarterbacks, generally more than wide receivers. The upside for wide receivers though is that they average far more points per touch as generally the ball is passed forwards to them and it often results in the point for the catch but also... They haven't even touched the ball until it's gotten some distance past the line of scrimmage, and from the point they catch it, they get credit for the distance the ball's travelled, plus whatever extra yards they add onto it after they've caught it. So their points per touch are higher, but they're just likely to touch it less. You see running backs who will often get the ball, and it'll be something where the quarterback turns around, runs back a few steps, hands it off to a running back. He's got to then charge back up to where the quarterback started with it just to get to zero, And he doesn't actually start getting yards until after he passes the line where the ball started. So, he gets a lot of touches, but he has to do a lot of working before he starts scoring points from doing that. Being that there is usually less than a handful of running backs who can score as much as those sort of middling quarterbacks. If you can get one of them, you're really in a great position because as a starting guy, that's a premium position in your roster. It kind of powers up that first running spot like a second quarterback. Now, we haven't addressed why the quarterbacks take so long to start getting picked. We just talked a lot about them in comparison, but we didn't really talk about them as players. They've got the opposite problem. They have positional abundance. So, this is where value comes up again and cost as well. Like running backs, there's a couple of quarterbacks that you might expect to be better producers than average. The boom guys, fellows who can win your week like Mahomes, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, maybe Aaron Rodgers in there too. But pretty quickly, the gap between that very top lot of guys and the ones who score about the same as everyone else kind of comes quickly. So, the question becomes, is it worth using that far earlier choice to pick a guy who might score a little more than, you know, the middle of the pack guys? If it means using a choice where you could get a guy who's clearly better than the average at their position in any of those other ones, like a running back, a tight end or even a wide receiver. You know, there's, some of these guys are going to be clearly much more valuable than the average guy, so why not do that? There probably is no wrong answer because if you want Patrick Mahomes and you have to use your second or your third round pick to make sure he's on your team, that's a worthwhile cost because that's how much you value him. He's definitely a sexier option than the 12th running back or the 14th receiver. He's more worthwhile to your team though. Yeah, I think a lot would contend that he's not, but I think that's the beauty of fantasy football because you could be wrong. Well, I could be wrong. In fact, in some instances, we might even both be wrong. So I think the cool thing about the mock draft is it kind of gives you a window of what to expect. And if you've mock drafted this and you've had the experience I just had, seven running backs, three wide receivers, nothing else in the first round, you're going to even get through the second round, no quarterbacks yet, and really only one tight end going, that's probably typical of what you're going to see when you draft for keeps. These supercharged running backs are guys who are on the field a lot. They will run the ball maybe more than 15 times. They're going to catch the ball some too, which is pretty valuable in leagues that have a point per reception scoring of any sort. But sometimes you'll find that their are threats to get the touchdown on the ground by running it in, or even by being somebody who catches it and crosses the line with it. The other thing too here is that the wide receivers at the top are generally on very successful teams who win games with a big chunk of the total passing attempts going their way. For instance, if you've got a quarterback who's throwing, you know, 50 passes in a game, one of these guys might end up with between 10 and 15 of those attempts coming to them. Like that's a pretty big share. The quarterbacks at this pointy end, they had better be worth missing out on one of those guys you're going to see a lot of analysts say that if you're in doubt about quarterback and you're not quite sure whether you should take them straight away or not, it's actually better to wait. And I would be a proponent of that too. The first round for me, I think you need to take a player that you're confident in. It's going to be the highest cost you will pay for a member of your squad at all. So, you need it to be as certain as you can that you're going to get an absolute legend who can return the investment value you just put into them because this is like a stock market. There is a lot of strategies around this. In the first three or four rounds, I think to me, you've got to look to leave those couple of rounds with the most slam dunk prospects. Players who will suit up for your team with no question every single week except for that one week where they have to have a buy. You're going to hear analysts saying about going and getting two or three running backs here to counteract that injury risk. You're going to hear analysts who are proponents of a strategy that goes the other way called zero RB. Yep. no, you're thinking right. That's where the emphasis is on other positions and you might just take one running back in that zone. But the mindset being just take a whole bunch of running backs in the middle sort of rounds, maybe five, six, seven, eight, nine, hoping that they will outperform the cost of those lower picks and you'll get all the value that you invested in your top picks, plus these guys who you pick lower outperforming their costs. So, you hear all kinds of different ideas and schools of thought. My advice, listen to all of them. But don't be set on one path only. In my experiences over recent years, I've really wanted a piece of running backs in the first round of most of my drafts. And it's kind of my check first habit. I don't always take one but it's 100% the first thing I check. Those first three to four rounds, I'm truly looking for the most can't miss because I'll take those more calculated risks later when that cost is lower. The chance for a player to outperform their cost is so much greater when you pay less for them. After that fifth round, to me, that's where I think that tipping point comes. The change is on because about 50 guys are gone and you're looking at people who will be on the fringe of your starting lineup. You're likely to have a couple of running backs or a couple of wide receivers. You might have one of those single starter positions, your quarterback or your tight end, and you're looking to fill the other one of those and maybe your flex. You might be continuing to build your depth as well at some of those other two starter positions, the running backs and the wide receivers to insulate against injuries or maybe even just start to take a shot on a guy you think might just go bang. This mock draft that I did in the previous episode where I was sort of helping with the homework i just gone and picked from slot number eight in the first round. It also meant that in the second round, I was picking third. So, I took running back Ezekiel Elliott on the way up the first round at pick eight and then guys who were ninth and tenth picked, they then picked first and second in the next round and then boom, it was my turn. And to balance out my team, it was kind of good luck. There was a fellow there a wide receiver who I just thought was absolutely the best player at the position and oh, he made me really, really interested. And I think in usual world, I would have taken the running back who was making me feel that way as well. But for the purpose of being a mock draft and knowing that this is a safe space to try different things, I went out and took the wide receiver, a fellow named Stefan Diggs. He led the entire NFL in catches by a wide receiver last year. And in a league where you're going to get a point for every time someone makes a catch, I just thought that was a too good to pass up. So here I am with a running back and a wide receiver, and then a long break. Seven guys to pick after me in the second round, and those seven guys to pick before me again in the third round. And there I was on my way back watching the first quarterback go finally. Two more tight ends go, and by this point, I've got back, and it's the 28th pick of the drafts, my choice. And there's already been 13 running backs gone. It's unbelievable. Three tight ends have gone, and Patrick Mahomes, the number one quarterback. For me, this made the decision-making process super simple. The one quarterback who I could have felt comfortable spending my third choice of building my team on was gone, unavailable to me. Of the tight ends who were gone, there were three of them, only two of them to me felt like I would consider spending that high of a pick on either of them and that's Travis Kelsey and George Kittle. They were both gone and so was Darren Waller. What it meant to me was that it really distilled it down to being, I just need to check running back and wide receiver now. Would I rather have at that third round pick, Josh Jacobs, Cam Akers, Antonio Gibson, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, and the wide receivers there were pretty good too. There were guys like Keenan Allen, Justin Jefferson, Chris Godwin, Terry McLaurin. To me, it felt right to take the player I was most comfortable with, and that was Josh Jacobs. He gets quite a lot of touches on a team who don't have a million weapons, so he does see a lot of volume, and a team who I think are trending in the right direction. I just think he'll get more higher point scoring opportunities this year. And then I had that same wonderful position. The two guys after me picked to finish out the third round. They picked again to start the fourth round. So I knew not too much could change before I was back on again, and looking at that wonderful list of receivers, Keenan Allen, Justin Jefferson, Chris Godwin, Terry McLaurin, I knew that At least one of those guys was still going to be there when I came back around. And sure as eggs, there's Chris Godwin. Wonderful. I was keen as mustard to get Chris Godwin on my team. So, feeling so good about those four picks, it made me wonder, what do I do now? I'm going to be off the clock for 14 picks. So, seven guys after me pick to finish the fourth round. They all pick again to start the fifth round. At this point, I felt really nice and balanced with two running backs and two wide receivers. So... It gave me the opportunity to once again have a quick look at all positions. I felt pretty happy with who was at quarterback. I knew that, gee, if things broke my way, I could get Lamar Jackson, at uh, the quarterback, in the next round and go and scoop up the other single starter right here, his teammate Mark Andrews. This is something that we haven't really explored a whole heap, but it's called stacking. The idea is that you can get the quarterback for a player who also catches the ball, and roster both of them. That way, when the quarterback passes a touchdown to that player, you get the four-point passing touchdown for the quarterback. You also get the six-point receiving touchdown for the running back, wide receiver, or tight end who scores the touchdown. That was my thinking when I took Mark Andrews. Either way, at this point, there hadn't been another tight end taken since Darren Waller was taken, the pick before me in the third round. So, it's been over two rounds since the tight end had gone, and Andrews had just been sitting there the whole time. So, there were two reasons to take him, and even though... Labar Jackson went the very pick before me in the sixth round. He was one of the four players that went in between me n- taking my fifth round pick and coming back on the clock in the sixth round. It did mean, though, that there were still some plenty of great guys, people who I had seen who were available to me in the late part of the fifth round, who I could feel comfortable with being my flex option. It also meant, for me, I thought I could afford to take a little bit of risk here because I already had two running backs and two wide receivers I got my tight end sorted out and now with that excellent quarterback gone, it was starting to get into the, the, the bottom part of the better quarterbacks. I was happy to wait for them. So, I took Brandon Ayuk who was a wide receiver at the San Francisco 49ers that he's the kind of player who can have some of those quieter days but when he goes bang, he goes bang. Then the draft runs away from me again. It comes back to me in the seventh round. I've already started taking my calculated risks at the start of the sixth round, but I felt in the seventh round it was probably a slightly more safe pick, a guy who's had some injury concerns, but he did have a great track record of performance when healthy. And his team didn't add another running back of free agency. This is Miles Gaskin, the running back at the Miami Dolphins. I felt like there's a little bit of risk in that, but he's definitely not nearly as risky as taking Brandon Ayuk in the round before. By the time it turned around the end of the seventh round and back up the eighth round. And I saw Russell Wilson sitting right there, right for the picking, probably the last of the great quarterbacks just sitting there. And it's the eighth round. We're more than halfway down the draft. I just thought that was too good to pass up. The other players that I took from here then were fellows who didn't cost me a whole lot because they're rounds 9, 10, 11, and 12. But any one of them turns out to be something that could fit into my starting lineup week after week. They've more than paid off what they cost me. And they could become guys who I could trade in the future. Guys like AJ Dillon, who backs up the running back at Green Bay, I fell fellow in, in Aaron Jones. I also took Damian Harris, the running back from New England in the 10th round, who's a starting running back on a team which its offense really didn't have a great year last year, but I'm hoping for better stuff. And if it doesn't work out, it's not so bad. It's my 10th pick. Latavius Murray who backs up the number one picked player in the entire draft Alvin Kamara so you know if anything happens to Kamara all of a sudden Latavius Murray is a top five running back and then Jamison Crowder who is a higher volume wide receiver from the Jets Jets obviously not one of the most exciting teams out there but the kind of guy who if I just needed someone to start on a bye week he could do the job in my last two rounds, it was all just defenses and kickers. I scooped up the 49ers who are a known pretty decent defense and the Chiefs kicker, Harrison Butker. He's going to be in scoring position often thanks to his quarterback and the rest of that offense. Not thinking too hard there. But what it is, though, is that it's important to remember a couple of things. One, the moment you refresh that screen or you walk away from it and come back, the team's just gone. So, if it's excellent or shitty, if you're happy or you're not, it doesn't matter. It's not for keeps. And two, it was practice, Right. And to get better and to get more comfy, you'll want to do more practice. If you found your first mock draft experience to be, I don't know, fast, a bit overwhelming, then you made some hasty decisions, you'll clearly benefit from more practice to help build comfort and expectation to slow that process down. If you didn't find it to be such a blur, then you might already have a great advantage and the practice will help you press on that advantage. So my ask is that you try another one really soon. We've seen these unsigned players start to find homes and then we're going to see the rookie players find their homes in the NFL draft too. And then any unsigned players who are left are going to find their homes right before the season starts. So as this information evolves, so does the mock draft information, so does average draft position, so does rankings by analysts on websites, and so does the value in the market and how much it will cost you. So, all these things click together like Lego. Do this exercise again in maybe a week or maybe a fortnight and maybe again in a month. And you might see things like Devante Adams, Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara. Those outlooks might not change much. But you might see changes to guys like Aaron Jones who just signed an extension at Green Bay. You might see differences for guys like Kenyon Drake who hasn't signed somewhere, James Conner, Leonard Fournette. Juju who just signed a one-year deal. So, before we wrap, in this show, we've looked all the way back at mock drafting as an experiment and feeling out that environment when you're building your team in that time back in. We've looked at decision-making in all three stages of the draft too, the solid start, the more risk in the middle and the fill your gaps at the end. I think if you couple this with the first two shows exploring rules, rosters, settings, scoring, preparing to draft... All of a sudden now, I think you're going to be in a great spot to continue that practice and draft a team you're going to be happy with and one that can compete. I've really been enjoying presenting this whole nuts and bolts approach for beginners. And I've just got one last point of emphasis before we wrap up today. And it's around how you rank players for yourself. We did talk about finding an analyst that you trust or a website that has a consensus that you can use as a base and start to tweak from there as you like. I do this in a really general sense. To me, say, at quarterback, I'd group that top couple together and say to me, their value so similar that if any of them are available at a certain cost, like, you know, Josh Allen or Kyler Murray, you know, to me, they're practically the same player. So, if one or other is available at a round where I'm happy, maybe the fourth, I'll just ground one. But then the tier below might be guys like, oh, I don't know, Russell Wilson, Tom Brady. Dak Prescott, well, maybe I'm not happy to spend a fourth or a fifth round pick on them. They might need to be later. And then the Matt Ryans, Matt Staffords, Jalen Hurts's. maybe I have to go even later again. And I just bunched them together thinking they're essentially the same. So they're going to cost the same in my mind. Now I don't need to worry too much about which one I get. A running back, I kind of look at the same way too. There's that superstar tier of probably guys like McCaffrey, Kamara, Cook, Barkley, After that, I think there's another second tier of pretty great guys. Derek Henry, Zeke, Nick Chubb. And you can decide if they're in the same tier or not, but others like Jonathan Taylor, Josh Jacobs, Austin Eckler, David Montgomery, J.K. Dobbins. They might be in the same tier or you might break them off into another, but then there'll be another tier after them and after that. And I do these breaks at each of the positions. I do it at quarterback. I've talked about it at running back, but I also do these at wide receiver and at tight end. I just get the list of players ranked from the person who I trust the most and I start to draw lines between where I feel like there's a gap between the guy in the tier above and who the next guy is who doesn't quite make it into that group. And it might mean that I have to sort of draw an arrow from one guy up into a tier or down out of a tier if I don't 100% agree with a guy whose rankings are pulled out. But I think that if you can find a way to group the quality of expected return for the cost that you would spend on these players and just bundle them into groups of people you think are about the same, you're going to feel a lot of satisfaction more often than not with how you draft. However you want to rank them, have opinions on around about the first 20 quarterbacks, and same for tight ends, about 20. Have opinions on the first 50 at running back and wide receiver. You don't even have to know a lot about all of them, but just decide if there's someone you think is worthwhile or not, and around about what it would take for that player to be on your team. You'll learn a lot about more of them as the season unfolds, but that's a superb place to start. You don't have to have intimate knowledge. You do want to have an opinion though, and that's it. Do I like them? Do I not? How much would I be happy to spend if they had to be on my team? There is a cost that you'd find acceptable. You know what I mean? and know what it is. In our next show in the series, I'd like to talk to you more as a seasoned mock drafter, someone who's done maybe three or more since this show. The link to that site is in the show notes, and I'll run through the settings again right now. You need one quarterback, two running backs, two wide receivers. You're going to need to drop that from three to two. You're going to need one tight end. The next column over, the flex. There's nothing selected. You're just going to need to choose one that says WRRB. In the third one across, you've got a kicker, you've got a defense. The bench will say six, you've got to drop it to five. The scoring should be set as PPR. We want it to be a snake draft. And I'd like you to use a 60-second clock. In the next show, take that screenshot of your favorite of the mock drafts. You can delete the other ones, but but take a screenshot after all of them. Keep your favorite. And let's pretend that is your team for keeps because then I want to look at the in-season decisions and it's just best done with a roster, no matter how that roster looks. So, look, thanks for joining me for this great series of fantasy football for beginners. I hope this is really proving helpful. If you have questions... You want to talk to somebody about your ideas. You want to just talk about fantasy football in general. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook at Astro League Podcast. We are also on Twitter at Astro League Pod. Shoot us a message. Comment on a post. We'll chat. There's always one of us around. Always happy to talk. One of the best bits of this platform is that it's a great conversation starter. And if anyone does take up playing this season who hasn't before, or you just haven't for a while, you're going to find this community. It's all about helping people to join and sharing the fun. So, I'll see you for Episode 4 where we explore the post-draft experience, being an owner for legitimate football glory. We'll have a look at what there is to navigate in the season with that screenshot of your favorite mock draft. So come back and join me. It'll be Tuesday's show next week. The show late week this week is going to be great. I'm going to have special guest, Marky Mark. He's the owner of the 2019 Astro League champion side going for tour. And he and I are going to talk about a couple of the biggest free agent signings and what their impact in fantasy might be. We'll cover a couple of quarterbacks, some running backs, a bunch of wide receivers, and maybe even a tight end. So come and join me. I'm going to have Marky Mark come through later in the week. We haven't talked to him since way back around New Year when we were talking to him about Dynasty League football and what it would be like to join in there. So come and join. I'll see you all. That's a Friday show, and then I'll be back for the Fantasy Football for Beginners wrap-up on Tuesday next week. All right. I'm Matty C, and I'm signing out. Hooroo! Play Play it. This is the Astro League Fantasy Football Podcast. League-specific news, information, and stats with your obnoxious commissioner, Maddie C.